two, three. Clap. Right. You wouldn't Welcome be able back, to hear everybody. me clap, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You wouldn't be able to hear me clap. I have RTX voice on. I have RTX voice on. You won't hear me clap. So wait, did you clap or? He oh, you said, said clap. clap. Yeah. I said clap. Uh, all right. I'll figure it out. Um, all right. Starting now. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Room Grazers episode nine, I think. Yeah. Who keeps track anymore? I'm joined by Frank. And today we have a special guest, um, Snoops. Hey, what's going Say on, everybody? Uh, just so they have some background, Snoops. Um, how long have you been watching the NBA, and what's what team do you like to follow the most? Man, I'll tell you what. Been watching the NBA for a long time. I guess like I've watched it very off and on growing up because I really wasn't exposed to it as much as like a lot of other sports. But definitely watched it a lot growing up. Like as I've gotten older and older. But of course, my favorite team, and you'll hear me talk about them a lot if you know like me or if you like been around like any of my streams and stuff you'll know that i talk a lot about the pacers the pacers have been my go-to team and of course that's just because it's the hometown team so i mean i guess what else can i say um no you covered it um <laughs> so yeah actually i'm kind of in the same boat as you I, I watched a little bit when i was younger but i didn't like as i got older i watched more and more so I think Frank was saying the same thing. Yeah, too. I didn't. I didn't get into it till probably like the past decade. Um, like I had watched, especially like AI in the finals, being from Philly and being a Sixers fan. So I mean, like I knew about it and I always loved sports, but I was definitely following football more before basketball, but definitely more in depth um, now. Like I said, the past decade with stats and actually what's going on around the league, not just my team in general. So yeah, same thing. Um, so we have some interesting questions today, and Snoops, I think, gave us a lot of these, so thank you for that. Yeah, no um, problem. And we're, we're actually going to get right into the first one, and the first question is, if Old Depot does end up playing this season, the rest of the season, what version of him will we see, and will it be good enough to push the Pacers forward in the playoffs? So I'll let, since Snoops, this is your team, I'll let you start. Okay, well... First of all, we all know that he was out. He was pretty much out for well over a year. So we had no idea what was going to happen when he returned. But luckily enough, he did return, but not in good fashion. As we know, he returned against the Bulls, but he only shot, what, 25% from the field? Like altogether, 14.3% from three or something like that. It was not a good day for Vic, obviously. First game back in... Obviously, he wasn't showing that he can be his old self, but he did send the game to OT. The one three that he actually hit was actually a clutch shot to send it to OT. Then we ended up winning the game. But can we see that come back as like one of the, the best clutch three-point shooters that he was in the 2017-2018 season? Can we see that come back? Like that? That's like the biggest question. So it looks like since he's come back, he's taken some games here and there off, which mm -hmm. makes sense. That was a pretty serious injury, so I wouldn't expect him to play a ton of games and a ton of minutes either. Um, looks like he's averaging 
around like 28 minutes per game, maybe a little less. Uh, I don't know, because he's just starting to finally, like, he's had, like you said, a year off. Um, it's a pretty serious injury. He hasn't started every game, although he did start most of them. Uh, but I think you want to get him reps. Like, he's been healthy. He's been playing. I wouldn't expect him to sit at all, really. He did travel with the team. I was shocked when he said he was probably going to sit. So, um, me and Frank kind of talked about this last time, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, you were in agreement, right, Frank? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm, I'm like, the fact that he was even reconsidering to even go down and the fact that he actually is down there with the team now, like, I'm, I'm almost positive, like, he's going to play. I, again, like you said before, like, there's really no reason for him not to, especially them being in a high playoff contention position. And the fact that he is down there practicing, so yeah, I don't, I don't see why he wouldn't play. But um, I will touch on some things that Snoop says. Is definitely this season he's uh, not shooting like his normal self. Thirty-nine percent field goal percentage, thirty percent from deep. Again, I would, I would uh, probably say that's because of him getting back into the game shape, and a lot of that's from you know when he actually did come back, like that Bulls game. Um, but his last five games, you know, he's shooting a combined 47%. So we're actually seeing him in recent form when he's actually getting those minutes and he's actually starting. He's actually playing like we know that he can play and defensively, offensively. So this team's in a very good position. And the fact that he's starting to retain his normal self or get back to how he used to used to play last season um, is definitely worrisome for teams that have to face them this whoever the first matchup is for them it's it's definitely insane because if you take a look at his stats though it's very it's very impressive on how how he has came from not really having like good shooting games or anything like that and not really being as good on the defensive end as he was but if you take a look at some of his like most recent games like grabbing like seven boards and getting like a steal and a block like per game. And the only other time that we've actually seen a game where he was doing very well on the defensive end like that was against Portland, like their last game against Portland, where he actually had another game with seven boards and another steal. Like that's like recently he has gotten his defensive groove back. And that's, I feel is going to be more important than his shooting because we, we have the shooting ability like we don't need Vic taking every single shot. Obviously, if he's wide and with him finally getting back into that rhythm, I feel like he can take those shots. But we needed him back on the defensive end as like as he was one of like I'm not gonna say like one of the, the greatest uh defenders in the backcourt, but definitely was up there on top defenders, I would say. Yeah, he's good for sure. And he could just go out there and get you a bucket, like, off the dribble. And, like, he's just somebody you can go to. Whereas, like, when he wasn't playing, you really didn't have that. I mean, like, I would say Sabonis could probably, you know, get you a bucket, but not like Vic could. Yeah, I agree. And he's, um... I, I think him just coming back in general is going to help the team. I Whether he's playing, like, full minutes or not... um just even having him in there for 25 minutes a game is going to be huge for them um, because it just makes their bench deeper because you're not taking a guy off your bench and putting him in the starting lineup and it's improved perimeter defense like you were talking about. So um, I don't think it's any 
anything negative to have in play. I think it's good for him because, you know, he's going to get his reps. And the reason he even came back in February was to be fully prepared come playoff time or close to 100% as possible um, so they can make a run. So I, I think that's that's part of the reason why they even brought him back. I think this is one of the few teams where if you take out, like I would say Oladipo before he got hurt was the best player on the Pacers. I mean, again, Sabonis has really emerged and taken a huge step forward this season, um, making the All-Star game. But I think, again, this is one of the few teams I think if you took Oladipo out, like this team is still really solid, like defensively for sure. And I mean, they're, they're still putting up great numbers and they had a winning record without him. So I think that's just special and that just speaks to the volume of, of coaching and uh, the team itself. I mean, I had a pretty good string of losing, like a losing streak in here with him. Yeah. I think it was the game after he came back, but um, it seems like they've caught back onto what they were doing on mm-hmm. the back end of that going, what was this? I don't know how many games this is here, but they only lost two, three in their last, I think that's 11. Yeah. They only lost three of their last 11. So, yeah. Uh, as for like helping them in the playoffs, I think it really is, especially, um, we'll get into the matchup later, but depending on who they catch in the first round, I think it's the difference between them making a push towards possibly an Eastern Conference Finals appearance and being bounced in the first round. I want to add on uh, something about the Pacers, though, and that's just like we have seen the Pacers just drop tremendously when it comes to players like Malcolm Brogdon was injured for a bit. Of course, VO uh, was injured for pretty much half the season. And now Jeremy Lamb is pretty much out because he will not be returning, obviously, from his injury. But that just raises like an eye and it's just like, hey, is that... Is that meaning that a lot of the Pacers players are going to be incident prone? Because there seems to be a lot of injury when it comes to Indy. Of course, like uh, PG got injured at, at one point in his career here in Indy. Then also he uh, he moved away. He's fine now, obviously. But Vic got injured. Brogdon was on and off of injury. Jeremy Lamb is injured. That, that just raises alerts and just adds more questions i think that could be it depends um obviously some teams have bad training but i think the examples you brought up are more luck because i don't think old depot was really ever injured that much before that injury um and then the paul george thing he was he was still hurt when he went to okc he needed the two shoulder surgeries this off season before coming into this season and he didn't even play the beginning of the season, so. I would say it's more coincidence than anything, because you could even yeah. point to you could even point to Portland with Greg Oden and Brandon Roy and I guess Nurkic last year. But yeah, I mean injuries you can't predict. But like Max said, you know there is poor training, but usually you probably won't see that at this high of a level, especially with players getting paid this much. You know they want to keep them out there and do a good job. So yeah, I'd say that's just coincidence. I mean, you never know. Some teams do have better conditioning yeah, staff yeah. than others no doubt. Um, although i don't know about the portland thing because if you think about how many times greg odin broke his foot and just like they never recommended a different kind of surgery or something or 
the fact that they recommended to Brandon Roy to take out his cartilage and then um, on top of that, if you watch videos of him rehabbing, the guy that they have rehabbing with him is not even watching him rehab. He's just making him go through this stuff and he's not even looking at his knees to make sure he's properly doing it. So he's just like destroying himself, basically. It's awful. That's horrible. I mean, since since them, like, I don't know if they've had any like significant injuries. No, I'm sure they got a different yeah, guy since no. then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like that happens. Like a exactly. <laughs> That's horrible, though. Honestly, didn't even know about that. But I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that things like that happen. But obviously, you'd hope that it doesn't. But yeah. Um. All right, so does anybody have one anything else they want to add to this? Because I feel like we talked about the, the Pacers. Pacers playoff odds a lot last time, so I feel like yeah, we covered we a lot of stuff. I think we'll just talk about more of it when we get into uh, the matchups. Matchups, yeah. yeah. But uh, Aladipo obviously helps them, no doubt. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a pretty uh, that's that's across the board. Yeah. Uh, so New Orleans, uh, Zion recently left the team so he left the bubble he's returning home to take care of some family stuff uh so we're not sure which team we're gonna see if he returns or not so first we'll talk about how would the team fare without him um i think they'll be okay um because i mean ingram has done a lot this season lonzo's taken steps forward drew i mean they have just a really solid team and they have some nice bench pieces so I don't think they'll be, like, awful. Again, it really depends on who they see um, in the first round. I think that'll... Well, if they get there, I guess. So, again, I think they'll be fine, but they have to they have to make that push to that eight seed. So, for them being, like, okay and being solid on the offensive end, I just don't know without him if they have enough to project themselves. And I guess... Beat Memphis because they're within. The, I think they're only three games behind, so they're there. Can they beat Memphis without him? I think it's possible. They actually did earlier in the year. So, idea. Yeah, it's just them pushing themselves into the playoffs is just what they have to get through first, which I think they can. And and hopefully he returns by the time the playoffs roll around at the end of that eight game stretch. So, yeah, I think they'll be okay. But obviously, if they had him, I mean, they're going to have better rebounding. They're going to be better on the defensive end. And, again, just another player that just adds dynamic to the team, and that's one less bench role that has to come in and get some minutes if you add him in there. So I think they'll be I think they'll be okay, but they could be better. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at their how their seasons went, how their season's gone. And, of course, they've had a better record since Zion returned. I feel mm-hmm. like everybody knows that. That's part of the reason why he's even been in um, rookie of the year discussions. Yeah. Uh, but even before then, so they their start of their season was pretty bad. They started off seven twenty three and had a thirteen game losing streak in there. Um, but they really picked it up before All Star break, which I think Zion came on. He came back a little bit before then in January. But even so, he's coming back to a team that was winning. I think that was actually even talked about at the time was whether he'd ruin any of the chemistry they built as they were slowly getting back. Well, not getting back, but improving. Yeah. Um, obviously he, he helped. He just kind of fit right in and did what he needed to do. Not so much, uh, running offense to him or anything. 
but I, again, I feel like there's more like the old depot thing. I don't, it should be interesting to see if the Pelicans can make the playoffs, but I think without him, they are less likely to make any kind of push. Yeah. I think he's a very helpful piece. And again, just gives you more bench depth because now you have a guy that is, was starting for you coming off the bench. Like, I don't know who it would be. Maybe each one more, um, I don't think they would slide Ingram down to the four, but uh, it just allows you to bring more guys off the bench. So, yeah, it like the thing is when it comes to like, looking at the roster, though, they they mainly have like three known veterans, pretty much, in Drew Holiday and JJ Redick, but they're both guards, and then the only other I w- I would say veteran is Derek Favors. So having this knowledge of like, they have some pretty good young talent. Lonzo being in what his second year or his third year, it would be his uh, third, third, year. third yeah. year. So Brandon Ingram kicking it up a notch this season, finally able to spread his wings after being in LA, finally actually getting like some good touches with the ball showing showing off and stuff like that. But as you guys have mentioned, since Zion returned, you know, win numbers have went up and it's just been absolutely energetic. Every time he stepped on the floor, it's been energetic. We have seen the clips of those lobs from Lonzo to Zion, but will that die? Like, can we even call that a dynamic duo yet? Like, is that like an official dynamic duo that we can make yet? Um, I don't. I probably wouldn't. Not yet. I don't think no. they've played enough yet. No. I mean, it will be, I think. But again, I need to see more. Yeah, but not, nonetheless. I mean, those for Memphis, two. they also only have a couple veterans. They have Jonas Valanciunas. Um, I think Anthony Tolliver is the only person that has more than <laughs> 10 yeah. seasons played. And Gorgie Jang, who has six seasons under him. The rest, it's five or less. So you yeah. can say probably the same thing for them. They don't have a ton of veterans either. Yeah, that, do that's, team, that's true. That is a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're they're eleven and nine with Zion. I think he's played all these games. He came back yeah. the twenty second. So, um, what's interesting trying... is, oh, I was just gonna say, Memphis also got off to a slow start at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. six and sixteen yeah, before yeah. they picked it up. So it's weird because it's not exactly the same time that I mean they're. They're losing blows were at the beginning of the season, whereas uh, Pelicans were kind of—I mean, not in the middle, but a couple games in before they had their problems. So yeah, but they picked it up about the same time with winning games, which is why this makes it so interesting. I think you see that a lot, especially with the rookies. You know, coming in their first year. I mean, it's not often that their first game or first few games they're they're complete. Like it's just a shock for them coming from like a college level or even a high school level back then. So I, it definitely takes a little bit to get integrated with the system, you know, how the NBA works. You're playing much tougher competition on the defensive end, offensive end. So it definitely takes a few games. And even, I mean, Zion had a had a great first game where he went four for four from deep and 22 points, shot well. He's been shooting well all year, but again, he's not really taking a lot of jumpers. So you would expect him to, to shoot well. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I This team, I mean, they definitely don't, 
play defense. I was think I was trying to look at the stats here to see if maybe with him in there, if their defense got better. Because there's a lot of games like there's at least like 240 points total in the game or more. I mean, there's just multiple games where they're scoring 120, 130, but their defense has not really improved with him. And I'm not trying to blame him it for that. Worse. I, I honestly like it looks like the same for the whole year. Like they've allowed 139, 127. I mean, it's just it's just bad. So I'm not trying to blame him for that because I know he's no. a good defender. But um, it's definitely just not the way this team plays. They're also the third fastest team in the NBA, so you expect more shots in the game and higher scoring games. But but their offense has been good all year for sure. Really good actually. So. I, like I said, I think they'll be fine, but I don't. Again, I don't know if they have enough to to make that push in there, and especially they're gonna have to win two straight against Memphis if they stay within those four games. Can we talk talk about Zion real quick and how his first game back he shot one hundred percent from the three? Can can we talk about yeah, that? That's real what quick? I said. Four, he was four or four. <laughs> four and four, man. That that's insane. And playing only like eighteen twenty minutes. I mean, didn't they leave him wide open on all of them? Pretty sure. I don't yeah, know but, how much I him, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they just left them. They they probably left him. But the thing is, when it comes to Zion, you don't really see him, especially like if you watch college clips, it's like, oh, look at him. He's shooting really well. But of course, taking a look at that, it's just like he doesn't have the best jumper. Like he wasn't really known for his jumper, of course. But all of a sudden, he just comes out of the gates first game. And all of a sudden, he's shooting four for four from the three, like wide open or not. Like when you have like a jumper that's just able to hit no matter, no matter like if you are known for that or not, that's crazy. Nobody thought Zion was going to hit like that. Well, they also played San Antonio in the first game. So Pop was probably like, yeah, just leave him open up. <laughs> so Pop obviously I mean, did he's do thinking, research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's just, you know. Those, when you're leaving the guy that open, it's just warm up jumpers. So, actually, since then he's only hit two threes. So, yeah, I'm not gonna say he's a spectacular three point shooter yet. No, not at all. I mean, uh, it's still better than Ben Simmons, but you know, we won't yeah, still. yeah, he's taking them. <laughs> that yeah. He's like, well, they left me open. I'll shoot it. It's more than you can say for him. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I'm gonna say that. Um, whether they have him or not, I think it's probably, I think the odds are honestly the same where they make it in the playoffs and how far they get. Yeah. Um, there might be a slightly better chance of them maybe winning, um, a game or two in the playoffs. And I think their chances of getting in are a little bit higher, but not, I'm not going to say like all of a sudden it's a game changer. I think it's yeah. just, it just like helps them out more. I would still probably take Memphis, even with a fully healthy um, Pelicans team. Yeah. The only thing I would add is, for whatever reason that he's not there, whatever the family issue is, like, hopefully it's not something really serious. I mean, obviously it's urgent, but if it's if it's a family death, for example, which I hope it's not, um, for someone being at that young of an age, do you think, like, that would cause him to maybe lose focus? Like, if it's someone that he was really close to? Or like a loved one or do you think maybe he'll play harder for them like we saw isaiah thomas did on his late sister's birthday i think he dropped like 40 points or something um, i think i mean that's more of a, a personal thing i think yeah. like 
the way people handle death i mean obviously as you get older it's a little bit different because um as you get into like i don't know whatever like your 60s you know more people that you know are, are like prone to you know just die of natural causes yeah just due to age um but at a younger age it's i feel like everybody just handles it different whether you're in your 30s or not or your 20s or you know you're only like 18 or something um i think everybody just has handles it differently um i wouldn't say like i don't know i i think he could like you said he could handle it both ways i don't think his being young has anything to do with it just wondering if it would just be harder for him just because he is you know a rookie and, and younger if he can handle all like a lot of pressure not only with the playoffs or pushing into the playoffs but also something as serious as that weighing on your heart i just figured i'd ask possibly i mean he's been in the spotlight before though i mean he's yeah. been, like one of the top players in the country for a while and like um i'm sure he's probably dealt with something like that in the past if not i'm there's been young players in high school that i've dealt with something like that or like whatever even like young nba players who've gone out there and done the same thing so um again it's you never know uh all right does anybody have anything else to add on the pelicans well i i do want to add on it's just like obviously we've talked about him returning doing all this stuff but the thing is the the one thing that we haven't really touched enough on in my opinion is the fact that he's going to still have to go through all the protocols when he returns of course that's in and of course all the testing and all that stuff for covid that's going to delay him going back into training like he can't just come back go back into it right away cuz that's just going to delay him even more and then when he comes back in, he's going to have to get all that momentum back that he had before leaving. Well, it depends. I don't know how they, how the NBA is doing it. So I don't know how... I've seen about this too. So it seemed like they tested 48 hours before leaving for the bubble. And then you had to quarantine for 48 hours once you entered the bubble. And you took another test. Um, and then if obviously if you failed, you weren't allowed out of quarantine if you passed, like, you just went back to what you're doing. So I don't know how Rashad Holmes, how he left, and then he got eight days of quarantine. Like, couldn't they just test him and then see if he got it? And then, you know, say, do the same thing, 48 hours, and then test him again and say, all right, you're clear? I don't don't know what... So, like, I don't know what Zion's going to get when he comes back. Like, if he's going to be tested beforehand and then... um same thing like 48 hours once he enters and then you know another test or if it's going to be like a Rashawn Holmes situation where he's out for a week I think they'll test him before he even gets into the bubble they don't they don't want him being in there waiting for right. the, the I mean results. they'll still quarantine him either way I yeah. just don't know how how long that will be that's I'm wondering if it might be longer because like you said like Holmes was just it was just a quick pickup of food like right outside the hotel or wherever it was this I mean Zion's I don't even know if he's still like in Florida, like I don't know if he went back to wherever his family is. So he's way outside in the travel. So I mean, that that would be interesting because he might miss all eight games if that's the case. I mean, probably better to be outside of Florida anyway. <laughs> yeah, 
but I mean, it it could prolong how long he has to quarantine for. So yeah, I didn't no, even think about right. that. That's interesting though. Uh, yeah. So I guess it, it would probably depend on on what their choice is on that. Like if they're gonna make him, you know, do the eight days or take forty eight hours or even say like two weeks. But I, the NBA is supposed to have so much testing that I don't see how they can't test him before he comes in when he arrives and then like a couple days after and just like those three right there should be enough to confirm that he hasn't caught it on his way in so i tell you um, i tell you what i know how much they want zion in the in the playoffs or like they already came out and said that and how much they want because of the money and the hype surrounding him like i bet you that he can get a like a test done like very quickly for him i wouldn't doubt they have some why you don't want to see Rashawn Holmes in the playoffs i mean i do yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the next (laughs) the next thing we have is uh, with the Clippers considering the lineup inconsistency of Paul George and Kawhi uh, will his training in the bubble be or will their training be enough to help their chemistry get to a championship level Uh, I'll let Snoops go first on this one you know there's a lot to be said about about the team but of course whenever you think about this team and you think about like all the momentum and stuff like that what what's the biggest thing that comes to your guys's mind the biggest thing in terms of their momentum yeah in, in terms of their momentum going into this it probably probably just be there built, like playing together i would say i mean also finding a lineup because i know they've they've been yeah. changing around i think marcus morris was starting for them last i mean yeah, yeah. I, that that's what i would go with just being able to just playing with the same the same faces and just like knowing what your rotation is yeah, gonna be yeah that's it's probably important i mean obviously that can change any time depending on how a guy's playing but I think if you know that the minutes are going to be staggered a certain way and what guys you're going to have in, like, you know what you're working with. I don't yeah. know. Like, obviously, if they have Shaman in there, the defense might not be as good, but I would say he's a better shooter than Marcus Morris. So the offense might be, can be ran a little bit differently. Yeah, I would agree with the same thing. Yeah, so when it comes to the Clippers... And when it comes to PG and Kawhi, we know that PG was out pretty much for a big chunk of the beginning. And he actually didn't play until the 12th game. So he didn't play until game 12 of the season. And Kawhi didn't even play that game. But PG and Kawhi did play their first game together in game 15 of the season. However... Only lasted four games, then Kawhi didn't dress to play, and then returned the next game, and then it was only five full games before going inactive again with Kawhi. It's been very on and off with these two, but if I know PG, and if I know Kawhi, they're both top-tier superstars, without a shadow of a doubt, and I believe that if everything goes according to plan, if they get their rotation set in motion, they run through everything properly. I feel like, I honestly feel like PG and Kawhi can bring the championship to LA for the Clippers. 
Yeah. Um, All right. Well, go ahead. You go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so without him, they are, if my math's right here, I think they're six and seven without Kawhi on the floor. He's only played 51 games this season. The thing that I would look back to, well, first off, the Clippers, they're a deep team. They have a experienced and good coach in Doc Rivers, and they have someone else who can, who has been able to hold it down even when Kawhi's not there in Paul George. I would look to last season on the Raptors. He only played 60 games last year, so he's only played 51 this year. If he happens to play every game of this exhibition stretch, he'll be at 59, so it'll just be one less than last year. And the Raptors were fine even without him playing. You know, this is just something that he does. He just doesn't play back-to-backs, and there's been a few other cases where he just hasn't played. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to matter that much. I think him and PG are definitely on the same page. I think the whole team respects him. Kawhi doesn't – I mean, he does barely any expressions ever, but he doesn't seem like a guy that you would disagree with and – or not get along with. I just think the team's fine. You have a deep team, a veteran coach. Paul George is there. Lou Williams is the vet on that team. So I don't know. I, I think they're fine. I think the chemistry is 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 perfect. Um, so I mean they're gonna get their training in in the bubble. So I I don't really think that they're in jeopardy of anything bad. So yeah, I think like you touched on both of you touched on like he they're both superstar players. I don't. I don't think they need a ton of chemistry building to obviously play well together. Um, if you want to relate that to like the problems the Heat had in their finals run in 2011, I think that's more of an understanding of like who is the go-to person. But I think it's pretty well understood on that team that like when Kawhi is healthy, he's number one option. Paul George is number yeah. two. Um, it's not to say like Paul George won't have his moments, but like. Just like D Wade and LeBron, like D Wade has had his moments to take over, and if he has a hot hand, LeBron's more than willing to let him go, which I think Kawhi showed that last postseason, like with Siakam having big games and Lowry finally like having his moment where we all were expecting it, like four years in a row. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily going to be a problem. Um, like Frank said, Kawhi played basically his regular number of games up to that point he probably actually would have played more than he did last year um i think it's more of concern to me if paul george was still having nagging issues and wasn't playing a lot um but it seems to me like they're just doing it for rest and same thing with Kawhi. which again to point back to like the heat like those teams they LeBron didn't play every game. Wade didn't play every game. Bosh didn't play every game. So there were games, and those guys are all so talented that it would just be like, all right, well, tonight you're number one option. And then it's honestly just like going, like turning back the clock. Like, all right, cool. I'm just going to go ahead and do my thing. So um, I think as long as you understand like the pecking order, I don't think there would be really any major issues in terms of chemistry. Now there might be problems between them and like role players, um, but I, this team is full of veterans that I don't see how that would be a major issue in any way. Yeah. And even if like, if it's PG, like you were talking about like D Wade and LeBron, like whoever's the first and second option, like, I don't think PG cares to be labeled as like the second option. Like, it's like, if you're going off, like, well, I'll give you the ball. All these players will give you the ball. So I don't think they, 
even have to fit into whatever role that they're like I don't think they would be offended by not being number one the team just seems like they have a lot of synergy and they work really well and both of them specifically so I I don't see any problems even with Kawhi not playing a lot and EG as well being out of the lineup uh, you guys pretty much uh, touched up on on the latest things that I had flowing through so <laughs> okay well yeah yeah, so again, we're, we're kind of in agreement. Yes. Um, all right, so let's then jump into, I guess we're making predictions, or are we just making, looking at possible matchups? Um, yeah, so I guess basically if the season, if the exhibition well, games ended today, like Okay, current so standards. we're going to go, wow, we might as well just start doing this with each one once it starts, because obviously these are bound to change. Yeah. Um, Looking at the West, I think I don't have it right in front of me. I know they're all within. I think what is it below the two seed? They're all within like three or four games of each other. Yeah, and that's at least close. like it, it's probably closer. Um, I know like three of them are tied, and then one has like one more loss. The East is um, the East is probably the one that is like most yeah close to I being think the definite. East, Toronto. Well, I think. We were talking about it last time. I think Philly was like six games back at Toronto or something yeah. like that. Like there is a possibility like they're in the tied- like wildest yeah. chances that Philly somehow reaches that spot. Yeah. Um so there is room for movement. Um It's more but, it's more when you get to like the three through six. Yeah. All right. So yeah, so we're gonna go based off of what the standings are now. Yeah. Um so the one eight seed, I'm sure you guys in the East would be Milwaukee or Orlando, um, and I'm sure you guys are gonna agree with me that this, if this is a matchup, it's a sweep. By, by Orlando, you're right. Yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Gotta make sure I got that. In. I mean, you know what? I'll tell you what. You think Orlando could sneak a game like they did against Toronto last year? I'm just curious because they're like healthy. I pass him. You know what I mean? Like I think they could get one maybe, but. More than likely sweep. I will say this, though. A lot of people, I don't think they really have mentioned this, though, but they are in Orlando. This is, you know, like common ground somewhat for the Magic. Like, it could possibly well be taking a game or so that could change the momentum completely. Well, there's no fans, though. That's the thing. Yeah, but it's but it's still common Just ground. Just familiarity with the area. I mean, I yeah. Well, it depends, I guess, because... I don't know. Then maybe their routines are like the same. They're used to that time of day. They're, I don't know. Well, that, but I mean, that, Milwaukee's on the same time zone, right? That is, that is, yeah, pretty sure. Not, like nothing drastic. It's probably an hour. And that I is, I mean, Snoops, you are right because that is that is the home advantage in because there's different advantages for different each sport, and in basketball, Weather. the in basketball the advantage is the scenery. So it's like the hoop and everything around there. So I like the fans matter. I'm not saying that they don't matter, but fans matter more in football because of the play calling and audibles for for quarterbacks. I don't know. That's why Seattle has such a big advantage because how loud that stadium gets. But yeah, you're right with basketball though. So I guess it's familiar territory. I mean, if they were playing on like in the, uh, oh, what is the name of their arena now? Uh, I know they changed it. Whatever, you know, Orlando's home court. If they were playing in there, like, I don't there's a possibility then they'd have a home court advantage yeah. because each floor does have a different feel and they're all different so 
and way um, center. That would probably help them. And plus being in like, you know, your locker room that you're in for 41 games of the year, like mm-hmm. that that probably just gives you a sense of like, oh, thank God I'm here. Whereas yeah. then like Milwaukee only visits them three times. So if that was the case, then yeah, big big advantage for them. But then again, I mean, you are playing Milwaukee, so how much does it matter? I guess. But yeah, I think they could sneak a game, maybe. Possible. Yeah, I mean, if you look at where they're playing too, it's the um, those like summer league gyms, and I, I don't want to say I think, no, nah, it's just definitely summer league. I don't think any G League team plays in there, but um, should be interesting, because you know it's usually, again, it's reserved for like those you know rookies and maybe like second league guy, second year guys and stuff. So um, it should be cool to see, you know the best of the best playing on these courts. Yeah. Just a little bit different. Uh, all right, so we seem pretty much all in agreement that maybe they'll steal a game like we wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will completely agree to that. Better effort than Detroit last year <laughs> against Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. I'll say that yeah. much. <laughs> Dude, Detroit made the playoffs last year? I forgot about that. I mean, yeah, Blake, Blake got hurt, hurt. Yeah. I, I don't know if it... Really well, that's matter. probably why I forgot about it. It's like who's. I'm pretty sure they got they got killed by like 20, like before halftime every game. Yeah. But yeah, at least Orlando's healthy. I mean, I like Orlando's team. I honestly yeah. think they're better than the seven C we're about to talk about, which is oh, the Brooklyn man. Nets <laughs> against the Toronto Raptors. So. Um, I would agree. I'll go first since I follow this team. Actually, well, you know what? It's I'll your... let Snoop's go first. I want to hear. Well, what he has to take, what his stake is on this. The thing is, Toronto. We all know Toronto has been killing it. Even even though they don't have Kawhi, they've built a really good team, like around all their players, and everybody's stepping up in Toronto. Like everybody's like doing their part, and the fact that they got to the second seed is, you know, crazy. Because, I mean, let, let's just face it for a second. Everybody probably thought, oh, without Kawhi, they're probably not going to do much. Everybody stepped up, and then everybody has finally, like, realized, oh, Toronto is not a team to mess with. But then again, you have Brooklyn on the other team. They have all the talent in the world to be like, we can win this championship. We can, you know, become underdogs and win this championship. But, of course, with KD being out, and of course with, you know, like, Kyrie and all that stuff with injuries. The real question is what's going to be the lineup that could possibly take on Toronto's, you know, ever evolving lineup? Um, <laughs> I don't know because literally half the Nets are home. So this is tough. Uh, so they, they still need to sign people. Uh, they have, I'm going to say right now their lineup is probably going to be actually you said did you say Chioza was a force the four string that's what this site had because they're not taking into consideration injuries so i'm not buying that actually hold on espn i think it'll be starter really so i think it'll be between him and tyler johnson starting at the one karis will be two joe harris will be the three yeah you're right so far do we have a four? It's Kuru. Um, they say. Oh 
Oh, bro, I forgot. But they do have Jared well, Allen. He's probably going to be Beasley. Yeah, Jared Allen will be starting. Well, yeah. actually, I don't know because Jack Vaughn's been. Th- oh wait, because uh, DeAndre's home, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be Jared Allen. Um. Uh, yeah, I guess you put Kuruks in there because we don't have another big to play the four that can like stretch. Also. Um, it probably would have been Beasley if he, he didn't test playing. positive. Yeah. Which is crazy because if he, um, once he gets cleared, he still has to, um, serve a five game suspension. So, if he comes back in, like, the first round, he wouldn't play until the second round. So, um, that's a throwaway. But we still need more guys. Um, we have Jamal Crawford, who's a... Honestly, dude, kind of, like, the scoring we needed off the bench. Like, mm-hmm. I've created a shot. Um, not necessarily, like, who I want, but... Um, there's been times this year where, where they've needed it, so... Um, but as Snoop's pointed out, Toronto's just... Their depth alone is just wild. Um, they still, again, Siakam's just taking that number one spot and run away with it, being like their number one go-to guy. Um, yep. And honestly, it's not even like... How do I put this? Not to say Kawhi being on that team is less important, but I don't think... I don't think it hurt him as much as I thought it was going to. Like, I still think they could make it run at the finals. And I wouldn't put it past them either. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this matchup specifically, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a sweep. Um, and honestly, I don't know if that's... Honestly, for you guys, I mean, I guess, this, Mackie, this is your perspective, but it might benefit you guys more to just let the Wizards in. Maybe for just a better draft pick because... I've been I mean, like, you, man. like you said, like Beasley, Prince, Dinwiddie, Jordan, Chandler, Claxton... And of course, Kyrie and KD. I mean, literally, they're, like the whole team's out. <laughs> so it's just like, well, what is? It's just I don't know what the benefit is, and, and unless you want just Karis having playoff minutes. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like, I wanted them to make the playoffs last year for playoff experience, and um, they did. Yeah. But it's not the same experience this year. No, it's like they've all been playing in that summer league for honestly, probably last year was the first time they didn't. Maybe Jared Allen played in it. So, they've been down there. They played in there. It's not. It's not the same atmosphere. You don't have the fans. You're not. You know. You don't have to travel on the road to another team's arena right. within three days to play a, for big game three. Like you're not. It's not the same thing. So honestly, like them dropping out, I'd rather just get an extra ping pong. That's ball. what I'm saying. Yeah. Again, this is personal. I don't. I don't. Obviously, the Nets don't want to lose. Um, if anything, they would like to increase their seating but um you know i just you know for fans watching i don't think they see anything that's gonna come from this other than i will say the one positive um these veterans they sign it's an opportunity for them to show that they still have something to offer for next season whether it's for the nets or for another team um and i think that's that's a good thing so i was originally on that side saying, you know, like getting Karras and like this is before Dinwiddie even tested positive, but just getting some of these like young guys and kind of like the guys who've been in the spotlight and have taken the role of like Dinwiddie and Karras kind of, you know, when Katie and Kyrie aren't there, just getting them the experience to play in opponent territory and even in front of their home crowd. But the fact that like you were saying, like this isn't the same playoff atmosphere, it's not the same experience. So 
again, I, probably from like a fan sense, you probably would rather have the draft pick because you know that this year wasn't even supposed to be the year anyway. But I guess in terms of other people, I mean, they're definitely going to not try to throw. But, I mean, yeah, I just don't I don't know if you have what it takes to compete with half your team going against Toronto. Now, I will say the Nets, they, I don't know, they, the good thing, too, if they were playing these younger guys, they still, like, Dinwiddie, um, and, like, they had a whole team there. Uh, Prince, maybe, also, because he just signed a pretty good contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been an opportunity for them to prove, like, bring us back next year, and, like, this is what you have, rather than being, like, eh, you know. Yeah, we could sacrifice trading these guys for someone else. So, um, I mean, there's still guys down there that have something to prove. Obviously, DeAndre Jordan getting the starting nod before this all went down, like that tells me that Jared Allen's going to play his ass off trying to make sure. Hey, coach, and also like Katie and Kyrie watching at home, get me in there. Like you want me in the starting lineup, or you at least want me in rotation. You don't want to trade me, right? Um, Dinwiddie probably would have tried to do the same thing. I'm sure he has better championship odds with this team than where he would be traded to. Um, same thing with Karras. Karras has also been on a tear. So, um, again, just more things to prove from their side, I think, than the Toronto. I think Toronto, this is just going to be more of a... I don't want to say walk in the park. I think, you know, they'll they'll have their problems, but... Um, for the most part, it's going to be like a five-game series, I would say, probably yeah. a sweep. So they're more so looking ahead to what's coming up. Obviously, they say they don't when like you get into that mode, but I think if you ask them right now, they're they're just looking at like what their matchups potentially could be further in seeding rather than in this first round. So I think if you guys were healthy this year, like without KD. Um, like with Kyrie and everyone else, I think you guys could make this like a six-game series. Like I honestly think you guys had obviously a better shot, but I think it would have been it would have been interesting because of the dynamics of the we'll two see. teams. But it's all it's all stuff for next year, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I think it's just for Toronto. It's um, yeah, they're just they're gonna take this one and move on to the next round. Especially without the Nets coaching either. They they don't even have a stable coach. They have a new coach in there. He's only been there for two games. And Kenny was that like the soul of like that grind and, and like, you know, just do what you need to do to get the win. So That's gonna be Are they really gonna grind it out for the coach they have right now being down there? Because you're not gonna get that same feeling from, you know, management or or like the fans or like the home court or like anything like that. Like it's it's strictly like now their coach. Who would yeah. like say like this is what we need to do? So, um, anyway, I don't have much more to add on that. Yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> All right, one thing I definitely want to say like it's going to be exciting for me watching the Nets just so I can see what Jamal Crawford does. I just want to see what he does on that court. The man yeah. is forty. Like, sheesh. We'll see. I wish they signed Lance Stevenson instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still riding that that uh, that fan wagon. I need I need him on the team. Yeah. Bring my favorite player to his hometown team, baby. Sign. <laughs> we have an open spot. Beasley messed that up. You can't get close enough to people's ears to blow in them, though. You no, know, six feet. 
<laughs> so, I mean, social distance. The big, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll look at. Now we're going to be taking a look at Frank's team Oof. and Brandon's team. Potential first round matchup. Brandon, so you Boston suck. against Philly. Yeah, if you guys remember who Brandon is. Um, so. Been a while. <laughs> uh, what do you think about this one, Frank? Ah, man, it just, it just, honestly, it really just depends on what Sixers team shows up. Is it the road team or is it the home team? Because, like we said, besides Orlando, um, like every team is playing a road game. But again, once you settle in, like you'll get used to it. But it's still the Sixers not being at home. So I don't. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. I still don't know. Under, under, I still don't understand why this talented team is as bad as they are on the road. I don't know what the mental block is. I have. I just really don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. Um. So again, it's going to depend on what team shows up. It's going to be interesting to see the new lineup with Ben at the power forward. We'll see if that works. If he actually starts taking jumpers, I mean, that's that's going to be exciting. Because again, I like Shake Milton in there. Um, we added some depth before everything shut down and Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson and Cork Moss has been having a good year from deep and, and moving Horford to the bench and coming in for Joel, I think also is a big benefit for us. Um, now, now we're playing Boston. And again, I, I actually said this on the last podcast, but I kind of like our bench better than Boston's at this point. I know we were the team that had one of the worst benches in the league. And I still think we're still not the best there but we've definitely added some depth and players that have emerged as decent players um we haven't lost anyone to covid or injuries um so that's that's good besides zare smith but barely played um i think it's going to be an interesting series this is a team that we definitely don't like (laughs) being in the same division and the rivalry that's there but again i don't know what sixers team is going to make an appearance and again, if Ben starts shooting, that's going to be exciting. The new lineup, I think, could benefit really well. Um, I think it goes six games. I don't, I like it could go game seven, but I honestly, I'm going to back them because I really think we have a shot, especially with the talent that we have. There's there's really no reason why we can't contend with them. Um, but I mean, Boston's just been solid. They were one of the hottest teams before everything did end. So yeah, it's going to be interesting because I am scared of Jason Tatum. That's about it, though. We definitely have advantage at the bigs, too. I should say that. But, yeah. Well, Tatum obviously wrecking a lot of havoc this year in the season. And definitely has been proving himself. Like, obviously, like, as we have seen from, from this Boston team past couple of years, they they had something but they just couldn't figure it out. Like, I feel like they just couldn't figure it out until this past season where they finally got everything together. Of course, Jason Tatum being on a roll. Then of course you have Jalen Brown making some big time moves, some big time shots as well. Then you have Kemba, possibly one of the best point guards up out there. Of course, when it comes to playmaking and being able to take shots off the dribble, But, of course, you have a team on the other end with Philly that has really, like, dominant all-around players like Joel Embiid. And then you have really good floor spacers like Al Horford. And then you have some really big point guards that are just able to 
have their way into the paint if you let him in Ben Simmons. Like, you have a ton of variety when it comes to Philly that I feel like they just don't have in Boston. I feel like in Boston, they just have a ton of, you know, just, just space to floor. Space to floor. A lot of them can slash, but space to floor. Because you have Kemba. Jason Tatum pretty much is just going to try to get in whenever he can. Kemba's going to try to do his mid-range, you know, shenanigans. Jalen Brown's probably going to be on that three-point line somewhere. But Joel Embiid can't leave him open. And then if you do, he's probably going to knock down a shot. He probably won't. Ben Simmons, of course, social distancing, as always. But it's just... shooting, yeah. Yeah, for for shooting, obviously. Social distance on on Ben Simmons. We already talked about this earlier with the whole Zion thing. (laughs) But obviously, (laughs) what it comes down to is just a clash of two different play styles. Now, what play style is actually going to win? The whole, like, like, pace and space when it comes to Boston? Or is it just going to be just the ability to rim run on your entire team and space the floor? Because we have bigs that can shoot. Well, I think there's a couple things. So I think um, Frank touched on this and that Philly's bench for once is going to be the better bench, I would say, um, in this series. So the ability to change lineups to counteract some of the things you're saying are not really an option. Uh, For example, I think Embiid is just going to destroy them in the paint um he's just gonna have his way ben simmons like once they start doubling ben simmons if he's in a dunker spot or slashing through again i don't know who's gonna stop him because the next biggest guy is gordon hayward and he's probably not gonna be on him because i don't think he'll be able to keep up so most likely jason tatum is gonna be chasing him around um and again i think simmons will just have his way with him too uh but he said force facing, which might work. But I think, honestly, they do a lot more. At least when I've watched them, they do a lot of iso ball. So it's kind of like semi a screen. If it doesn't work right away, like Tatum just goes into you know an isolation or or Kemba. Um, usually they're so gifted that they can they can score that easily. Um, even though that really hasn't been Boston's. I want to say like their uh, their go to thing. I don't know. They they've been very like they shared the ball a lot until they picked up Kyrie, and I I think Kemba's more willing to share the ball obviously than Kyrie. So I think that's probably where their improvement's been this year. Um, and I think Tatum realized some of the ISO heavy stuff he was doing last year was somewhat inefficient. So I think there's more willingness to share the ball, seeing how last year panned out. Um, but I don't know. I think, honestly, an X-factor for Boston is going to be Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I would agree. Because he, he usually has really good games against us. And, yeah, I don't I don't even know who's going to be on him. But I was looking at the shooting, and actually Boston and the Sixers are actually neck and neck. I mean, they're both shooting 36% from deep this season, which is better than I thought we were. Um, but still nowhere near the top. I mean, we're better than average, but uh, which is interesting. But I think Boston has... I would say for the year, they've been a more efficient team on the offensive end, especially in their points per game. 
I think we have the advantage in the defensive end and in the bigs. Uh, besides that, we're probably going to get out coached. And yeah, I think that's the big thing is Brad Stevens and what's our big play going to look like? And then, of course, you know, how's Ben going to play? And of course, how are we going to be on the road? Even though technically it's all the teams are on the road. So that's the big thing. I think I think Ben in 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 practice and these exhibition games, if he's shooting, like I said, I think that that's that's a game changer. If he's not going to at least taking it, you know, to to at least well bring people out of the does pain. he does he need to take it against Boston? Though? I feel like they don't really have I don't know. protection. That's like what that. I mean. Like if he's posting up um, Tatum, like he can do that. I mean, although Boston's defense hasn't been bad, right? I don't have no. They've been me. good. Are they ranked in defense. They're um, good. Yeah. For the year of... I don't know what their secret is. Efficiency-wise, Brad Stevens. <laughs> I, I'm also true, fairly yeah, convinced. Probably schemes. They're actually, yeah. they're actually fourth for the year. 1.06. Really? Every 100 processions, yeah. Doing up 106. Mm. Well, it's I feel good. like that team defensively fares better against more perimeter-oriented perimeter teams. Yeah. Um, as Snoop's point out, since they're smaller and like the space and stuff, I feel like that also plays into what they do on defense. So... I'm sure, like they they're more favored if they have a matchup against a team where their four is more of a small ball wing, which is honestly where the league's going. But in terms of Philly, if they're starting Ben Simmons at power forward, I really don't know. Like, if especially if they're running the four a pretty good amount, which with Joel out there, I don't know. That's kind of a toss up. It's hard kind to just like lingers, but um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do about that. If they're just like running into you with these six, ten, seven foot guys, I mean, shoot, even uh, Tobias Harris, how big is he? He's like six, six, nine? six nine, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's tough. Yeah, um, I mean, we have. It's gonna take a lot of team, you know. They're gonna have to play a lot of team defense. Besides Ben, like we have the shooting. Like Josh, Josh Richardson can get his way. He's he's really good off that that pick and roll and just a screen he has a very underrated mid-range game that i've watched from him um he can create for himself again tobias is better as a spot-up shooter but even he can take people off the dribble he hasn't played well on the road at all but uh in terms of shooting and then like you said i don't know i don't know what they're going to do about ben you know like i think tatum can can try to contain it and he hasn't done a terrible job but again i mean it's a 610 just a bulldozer, you know, running around there. And then, of course, even Shake Milton, who's had a terrific game against the Clippers in his first game. I think he knocked down 7-3. But, so, again, we have the shooting. It's it's just really going to depend on if Ben's willing to take that shot and get that double team off of Joel. Because when Ben doesn't have the ball, it's it's really just useless. So, the defensive end, I'm not worried about it. But it's just it's just the offense, I would say. But... Yeah, I think I think we're looking at a six game minimum, and then possible seven. Yeah, because if you if you look at this, pretty much Boston is gonna have to just force Ben Simmons to shoot the entire time. That's just pretty much like the only way of looking at it. Like if they want to give up like shots, or if they want like the easiest you know like defense that they can ever have, force Ben Simmons to shoot the three. Yeah. We'll see. I, I like Tice, so, but I don't know. I think he'll have his hands full with Joel, so I don't know how much he could really help over and, and push 
like force the issue with Ben Simmons making him become a jump shooter if he has to worry about Joel. I honestly, this is probably the more favorable matchup out of the top seeds. I think for Philly. Yeah, I agree. Just because you have that size advantage. Otherwise, I'd I'm not sure. I think you'd have a tough time against anyone else. I think the Celtics have a better. No, I would say like an easier time when Joel's not out there because Al, I mean, even though he can still has a post game, but you know, he's obviously older and he's more perimeter based. I mean, that's how we've been using him. Although yeah. I wish, I wish we wouldn't use him that way. So like, I want him taking threes, but not like five a game. Um, I think again, that's just coaching because <laughs> he was, he was shooting at like a 40% clip last year with, with Brad. So yeah, that just speaks to that. But um, they would have an easier time. Again, he fit better in that system though. Yeah. Again, honestly, if Boston had him this year. I would, I'd probably put Boston as my favorite, just because of the defense he brings, and like you said, he, he again he can space the floor. Like he becomes the fifth shooter on the team, basically. So yeah, you know, it, it, most people when they they sag off to help or something, like just like oh man, like a wide open three for me. Whereas this year, I again I haven't watched Philly a ton, but I'm assuming a lot more shots feel maybe a little bit more forced. Yeah, I would agree. A lot. It's a lot of off of like a pick and like sometimes he's taking like yeah. moving like off balance threes. And yeah, again, so he's, he's not spotting up enough. No, right. I mean he has. I, we want to use him that way. He's just part of it is that he's he has just flat out missed more, but it doesn't help when he's in a system where you have another big down there and then you have Ben who can't shoot. Yeah, so he can't um, work. It's just out. harder. Yeah. It just worked better when you have, like, Kemba or Kyrie giving it to you, running that pick and roll. Yeah, so I think that's enough of this series. <laughs> yeah. Um, We'll move on to Indiana-Miami. Um, That's considered a 5-4 matchup. And I'll let Snoop stake this one since this is his team. We need redemption. I'm just going to say this right now. We need 100% a lot of redemption because last year, as everybody knows, we got we got swept. Swept by Boston last year and didn't feel very good. But of course we didn't have Vic <laughs> with us. And to be fair, past couple years we weren't that great of a team. But this year we have something going for us. Even without Vic, we've had raised our ceiling. Completely. But Miami though? Of course, Miami and Cleveland have been two of our biggest rivals, mainly because, hey, Look who's over here, LeBron. Oh, wait, look who's over here, LeBron. But, of course, something as you guys have, have mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, of course, is we have faced LeBron a lot in the finals. And that's the thing that, like, Indiana pretty much has that a lot of other, like, teams really don't. And that's just the experience of going to the conference finals and facing, like, one of the top, if not the top star, like, in that year. Like, multiple times in a row. But, of course, like, we've dropped, like, a lot, though. We, we've had to revamp our team. But with this, like, Miami team, like, who knows what could happen. I, I have a feeling. I'm just going to say this right now. I have a feeling we could cause an upset and win against Miami. But that's just going to take a lot on the offensive end, not just the defensive end. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I also, like you said, they, they've revamped. So like that first team that played Miami in the conference finals is not, it's not even the same. Gone. No. They, they don't have, uh, 
They, have, they don't have Vogel anymore. They don't have any of those starters. So yeah, we ain't but got PG. That younger Indiana team that played Cleveland, LeBron. That those guys have some experience from that. Yeah, um, we, we took LeBron like literally to Game Seven in the first round. Like, can you tell me any other team that has been able to do that in like the past few years? Like within the first round. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um. Well, I mean, aside from that, I, I just looking at this matchup alone, I think I like Miami's team better. I think in terms of just their dog mentality, I like Jimmy Butler leading this team. Um, I feel like every guy's gonna follow suit. You have um, Bam, who's had a breakout season. Not to say Sabonis hasn't. Um, Sabonis also had a major breakout season. Um, and has been big for Indiana. Honestly, if anything, that's probably where you guys would do most of the damage. Where Indiana would just is probably inside, um, in terms of offense. I just think the size is gonna kill them. But Miami, well, me and Frank were talking about this too. I think they're actually really like even like lower in pace than Indiana. Like they muck it up. So if you're struggling to score, like Indiana, not saying they do, but um, they're definitely not one of the highest scoring offensive teams in the league. So if you're not coming down and scoring every time against Miami, oh man, it's just it's going to be a struggle for offense because Miami's not going to give you a ton of possessions. Yeah, they um, Miami is 23rd 27. in pace, and oh, Indiana is 20th. So this is a slow game. Um, I think it's a defensive game. Listen, here's the thing. I think Indiana struggles on the offensive end, no doubt. That's that's where you're you're not going to outshoot them. Miami's actually the the best shooting team in in the league this year, which I was kind of surprised to see. Shout um, out to Tyler Hero. Yeah, so them and Utah are tied at 38 percent, and then Indiana's 12th at 36 percent. So, I mean, it's close. Indiana's not bad. Again, you're above average, but uh. You're probably not going to outshoot them. Um, coaching's good on both sides, and I like the depth on both sides. And like I said, like Mac, we were looking at this the other day that Indiana actually has a lot of depth that I didn't even like. There are guys I forgot about, even on Miami's end. Um, there is a note here that I, I'm assuming they're playing, but they just said Bam and Kendrick Nunn haven't entered the bubble yet, so I don't know why that is. But I just hmm. know they're not down there. But I'm assuming they're playing. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I. Would, I- I think there's a good mixture on Miami's side too. Like I like the offensive firepower they have as opposed to Indiana. Again, I'm not saying Indiana's bad. They're honestly probably the two most alike teams, which honestly is why this four five matchup might be the most interesting. It usually yeah. is, but I think this time both teams are very similar um in terms of what they have. Uh but I think Miami might have better shooting on their end. Um, they also, uh, the veteran presence, oh, yeah. I think, is a little bit more in their favor, too. Like, they have Goran Dragic off the bench. They have Jimmy Butler in the starting lineup. They have Jay Crowder, Iguodala. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of vets. Donis Haslam. Yep. Yeah, so they, they have they have a bunch of guys. Um, so, well, I don't know. I I've, Right now, I've, I'm probably more in favor of Miami on this one. Yeah, Indiana is... 
Indiana's going to, I think they win the defensive side of the ball. They're ranked 7th on the year in efficiency, and Miami's 14th. Offensive offensive efficiency, though, Indiana's 18th, and Miami's 5th. And a lot of that is because of their shooting. So I think Indiana's going to have to really punch it with Miles um, Turner and Sabonis. Like you said, Mac, I think that's where they're going to make their money and try to expose a mismatch, which, again, Bam's... I mean, they're not going to destroy Bam, I don't think. But, I mean, that that's where they have the mismatch because it's obviously not shooting and it's obviously not offense in general. So they're going to have to expose that. Oladipo is going to help them. A lot of these numbers are for the year and really don't have... They have Oladipo's, like, last... I guess when he's played, what is it, like 13 games or so. So I that'll help their offense and it'll help them on defense. But, yeah, I'd, I would... I'd lean Miami in this one. Well, what's funny is Turner has had a um, somewhat of a down year. Like, I don't know, he's just taken a back seat to everybody, um, which has been good for Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. Like, they've just absolutely bloomed, along with uh, TJ Warren. Yeah. Honestly, their starting lineup's really nice that they have Oladipo, too. So, um, but Turner's shooting's taken just a slight dip. Um, I don't know, it's just something's going on with him. So, if he really you know, elevates it to kind of where he's been the last couple of years. Um, not saying he needs to, you know, be the guy, but, you know, just having more efficient games and just looking like an old self, his old self, I think would help a lot. Um, and I don't know, then like we've talked about their Indiana's bench is really nice. I really, if they were playing another team, I would say Toronto has a really good chance at, Getting to the second round. I mean, uh, Indiana getting to the second round. Yeah. Like, honestly, I'd probably have them favored against Boston and probably Toronto. I just don't know about this Miami team just because of how good their defense is. I don't know where you expose them on that side. And then I think just Miami's offense is going to be better. Again, we don't know for sure. Indiana could come and just (laughs) surprise us all with (laughs) offense. So. And we know that Indiana's defense is going to be there. So, Fully healthy on paper, I think I like Indiana's starting lineup better. I agree. Like Brogdon, Oladipa, Warren, Sabonis, and Turner against Kendrick Nunn, who has been really good this year. But then you have Duncan Robinson and Derek Jones in that lineup, which they're not bad. I mean, Duncan, Duncan definitely fits what they're trying to do and being able to space the floor and just shooting. But, I mean, Oladipa would expose Duncan. If, if that ends up being the match, obviously it wouldn't. I'm sure Jimmy would be on him. But, I mean, Duncan's one of those guys you probably have to hide. And I don't know who who you hide him against because you can't go with any of the bigs. And it's like, I think Warren could abuse him. So, like, I like their starting lineup. Both teams have the depth. But just in terms of what they've actually done this year, Miami has just, what they're doing, what they've been, what they've built here, they're just, their numbers are just incredible. So, if it works, it works. And whatever the name is on paper, doesn't matter. Yeah, I like Indiana's starting lineup more too. Yeah, and thinking about like our our lineup and how we play offensively, like especially with Sabonis being like a top tier guy of doing pick and roll, like he's been really really good on the pick and roll this season. Especially Doug McDermott being one of the most efficient shooters on the left wing, uh, you know this season. Like obviously, like it like according to to ESPN, they have actually made videos on that to where it's like, who's the most efficient shooter 
and who's the least efficient shooter in these spots. But apparently Doug McDermott is the most efficient shooter on the left wing. And, you know, that's a, that's a huge shout out to Domas for a lot of those pick and rolls to where he would just, you know, hit the screen and then just shoot it right off the screen. Yeah, I mean, me and Frank touched on that a little bit too. Like, they're just their ability to adjust. I think, say they want to go smaller, um, they can do it. I don't. I mean, of course, they'll be sacrificing a little bit of defense, but you're gaining more offense. So yeah, I'm starting to wonder if I should pick Indiana. <laughs> I mean, that's originally what I had. I had Indiana like four three. I feel like it's gonna be seven no matter what. I think so. Yeah. Like that's really how torn I am. Just something about Jimmy Butler, dude. Like him in playoff mode is just. It, yeah. I don't understand what oh, happens yeah. to him. Uh, another thing we have to remember is the previous altercation between T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler in the regular season. Yeah, Jimmy's got that. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's gonna have his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, um, like I, you just have to remove any like pre-existing notion of like what this team looks like and just go by like what they've done like the best shooting team in the league bolstra experience the veteran presence mm -hmm. so i i don't know dude it, it's tough if i knew indiana was getting a fully healthy old depot i think that would combat my jimmy butler concern very easily yeah it's a toss-up i honestly i really don't know yeah i think this is seven, but seven i'm gonna give i'm gonna go miami yeah that's where i am but I could easily flip to, to, like, tomorrow I could wake up and say Indiana. That's how close <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm glad it's a 5-4 matchup that is actually, like, good, like it should be. I mean, these teams are, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, either one that moves on, I think, oh, they're going to have Milwaukee, though. Mm. I would, like, oh, man. See, it would have been nice if this was, like, our 6-3. And yeah. then they had a chance of going to Toronto in the second round. They they don't or do Boston. like they don't do like lowest seed plays the highest, right? I always get that confused. So it's they haven't matched up, so it's, Milwaukee's always the higher seed. So like it's gonna be it'd be two three in the second round. Okay. And then be one four. Okay, yeah. yeah. I always get that confused. Yeah, so there's no possibility. Oh man. Them playing Milwaukee, either one of these teams, that's tough. Yeah. Honestly, maybe I would like Indiana more in that situation. I would, I think. Just size I helps them so much against Giannis. Like I said, this is a slow matchup. So, and, and Milwaukee's the fastest team in the league. So, either way, oh, it's yeah. gonna. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I will say this though, we have won a game against the Bucks, but we were lucky because Giannis wasn't even playing that game because that was. <laughs> Around time that he became a father, so he he wasn't playing that game, but we picked out a nice little dub right there. But uh, obviously, when Giannis is on the court, you can see like the like him demolish us on that court because the first two games that we played against him, like we lost like almost like by twenty points, like every time, and even more than twenty points, like in the second game. I just. I'm. I don't want to favor at this point in the league like bigs on offense. I know I do it a lot, but I think that's just because of like watching older basketball, which is. I just think probably the one team. I mean, there's a couple, but like the one team that definitely has a mismatch inside every time is going to be the Sixers. Yeah. 
that's why I'm concerned, like legitimately concerned about what Boston's gonna do about that. Um, in this case, though, I don't, I don't think Zabonis he kills it, but I don't. He's not Joel Embiid. Um, <laughs> yeah, Miles Turner. You know, he's been more of a uh, like a stretch, which is weird because he's so athletic. I feel like he should be rolling to the hoop more and getting more post ups, but. I know, I um, I know for us. I, I just don't see him as a dominant big man like that. So I don't know. Like that's where I don't know if if they would really have a size advantage against Miami or not. Again, it all comes down to coaching. Like is Nate McMillan going to draw up more stuff for that, or like how is he going to approach it? I don't really know. You have and good, that'd be more Snoop serious since he watches him more. You have a good coach on both sides, so it's going to be right. interesting. In the West, the first round matchup as of right now, would be Lakers-Memphis. Um, obviously, unless something drastic happens, uh, this is a sweep for L.A. Easy. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, one, 100%. I think Memphis is just so young. I don't I don't think they're going to do anything crazy. I think L.A.'s on a mission, too. They're not... Like, this isn't any time to mess around, so... They're going to want to get through this and then have their rest since these games are all going to be so close together. Um, with the way scheduling is, even though there's no travel, so I guess that's a, like a benefit. But um, I again, I think they're just gonna be looking to take care of business, and they're gonna do it. I think Job puts on a show. Like he actually like we're gonna see some crazy stuff from him, like we have all year. But I don't, I don't think they have nearly enough to to take on LA. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. No. Snoopsy got anything else? <laughs> It's just a blowout. There's no point. I don't even know why they even bothered showing up to begin with. Like, come on, hey, man. man. We have to mention it so that way people, you know, they don't say we forgot about anybody. All right. Um, next one is Clippers Dallas. This is interesting. Yeah, dude. I think. Um, I really like Dallas a lot. And again, depending on like what coaching like what they're gonna do i think porzingis will have mismatches just all night depending on what porzingis we see um obviously the clippers perimeter defense is amazing so when you look at both of these teams like usually would you like see the clippers like or at least when i do i think of defense like Clippers have been known as like a defensive team. I mean, you have Pat Bev, you have Lou Will, you obviously now have Kawhi and PG, Montrez, like very, very good defensive team. And then whenever you hear about Dallas, especially the new Dallas Mavericks, you think of really good offense. This game is pretty much is going to be a battle of the offense versus the defense. And I believe that this is just going to be a better matchup than I think a lot of people would you know expect for me this is yeah. this is the most intriguing playoff matchup out of both conferences for me that and, and indiana would be a close second so you're talking about dallas and the clippers they're number one and number two in terms of offensive efficiency dallas being first so you've got the best two offenses in the league going at it now the clippers have the edge on defense um, they're both really good shooting teams from deep. Dallas is eighth in the league, and Clippers are ten. So, a lot of firepower. Um, I think the mismatch comes with Porzingis. That's going to be the the big thing because the Clippers don't really have anyone to stop that. So, I was about to say they're 
their interior defense is going to be a problem no. if they really try going like super big, like running like Boban. And um, is Powell is he is he healthy or is he still hurt? Mm, I think he's. I mean, he's he's, he's been hurt. good for them this season too. So yeah, um, it should be. I think it'll be interesting, but like you said, the, the Clippers, they're you're getting defense and um, that's what I mean. they're like the one of the best offensive teams in the league. Well, that's, second best technically. So that's what I mean. So if Dallas, if they're like they are the number one offense for the year, but like if that fails, they don't have anything to lean back on. Whereas the Clippers, who I think we can, we're gonna get their shots. I mean, you have PG and Kawhi, you can go to. If that fails, or just has a bad game. It's like they have that defense, especially perimeter based. Luke is going to have a difficult time. I don't. I th- I know they played before this year, but I I don't know, like how he's going to fare on being guarded by Kawhi or PG. It's going to be interesting. Like I'm sure he'll he'll get his shots and he'll get his his points, but it's it's going to be difficult. He's going to have some down field goal games. I feel like, but it's like other than that, like Porzingis is where you expose them. But it's who who else are you going to on that offense besides those two? So that's why I would lean Clippers overall in the matchup, but it's it's going to be interesting to watch for me. Yeah. I mean, I like uh, the Clippers bench depth too a lot more. Oh, yeah. Like way more. Um, I mean, Dallas, their starting lineup's not bad either. I mean, they still have Seth Curry in there. So that's some offense. Um, and Tim Hardaway, Hardaway Jr. like yeah. reinvented himself this year. So, um. Yeah, I think this is more interesting than uh, people make it out to be. I still think Clippers are probably going to take it, and I'm going to say six. I think Dallas gets two games. Yeah. I don't think it goes seven. But I'd say six max, yeah. Again, Clippers aren't messing around, so I think they're just... Like, I think they'll literally have some troubles, but I don't think it's going to be to the point of, you know, oh my god, we're in game seven, we're only up four with two minutes left. Like no, like it's it's probably gonna be done in five or six. Especially Kawhi playoff mode. Six. I think that's, Dallas is really talented. So that's scary too. Just when Kawhi gets going, <laughs> saw that last year. But yeah. Um. So the next matchup is Houston Denver. Um, this should be really, really interesting to watch. Um, I'll let Snoop's go first. Sheesh. Like, t- take a look at that, though. Houston in Denver. So what, we we got... We got, like, what, Mr. Triple-Double and Mr. I score 40 points, you know, so many times. Taking on... Shooting bad. Doing Jokic. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and shooting poorly. Versus Jokic. That's pretty much about about it. When you like actually like just hear that, you just like, oh, Russell Westbrook is on that team. Oh, James Harden is on that team. Oh, Jokic is on that team. But taking a look a look at it, you have a very, very well versatile small ball lineup when it comes to Houston. Of course, like PJ Tucker is going to be huge. Like PJ Tucker has been huge this entire season when it came to this small ball lineup becoming a thing. Hitting those corner threes are important, and he's been there to hit those. James Harden has been there to do James Harden things, getting people open if he has to, but also just rim running almost the entire time whenever he gets the opportunity to. Russell Westbrook, 
Well, he's bricking threes as always, but he's able to rim run as well. <laughs> there, there is nothing else to say other than just the stereotypical stuff about, you know, like James Harden, you know, he just does the same thing as he always does. Just, you know, step back, shoot, brick sometimes. Oh, well, rim run, got it, whatever. Russell Westbrook, same thing. But taking a look at Denver, Denver has been making a huge impact over on the Western Conference. And to see how well that this team has been, you know, grooving together uh, recently has been very nice to see. You have a ton of good talent on there that just needs to be, you know, like pushed out in full force so far. Like taking a look at, at the lineup, you have Jokic, you have Jamal Murray. Those are going to be a really good one-two punch right there. Jamal Murray, he's able to to finish at the rim if he has to. We have seen that. He can also, you know, he, he can hit the three. You know, he can shoot. Jokic making everything seem just smooth and easy as possible, apparently. I don't I don't know how that is. Like, have you guys ever watched clips of Jokic, like, you know, like taking like a jump shot or whatever, or just like, you know, throwing a shot up and be like, well, Dang, that looked easy. Like, am, am I the only person that has thought that? <laughs> nah, he does it a lot. Like, you have Gary Harris. Okay? You have Gary Harris as well. And that that's the thing, though. That's the thing. Gary Harris wasn't originally in the bubble. So was Tory Craig. They're just now going into the bubble pretty much, like, tonight. So they yeah, should be there. So they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, they they should be fine. These are two really good players like in their position on the team that they are on. Gary Harris uh, like obviously like being huge this season. And overall just Jamal Murray doing Jamal Murray things. Jokic just obviously getting better and better as he plays. A lot like everybody on this team just getting better and better as they play really but well i want to point out a couple things so um we've brought up pace a couple times this is probably the most drastic difference um, oh yeah in pace denver is Isn't 29th in the league in pace meanwhile houston is number four so houston is a lot of running denver is a lot of you know slow it down um like what it's like such complete different ends of the spectrum, which is really strange. Um, it should be interesting to see which one fares better. Um, Houston honestly could run them out the gym. I've seen a lot of times where Jokic is just fatigued and just like uninterested almost in terms of like getting back and playing defense or like running up the court to participate in offense. Uh, sometimes he even like. It's weird. He'll get up to the three-point line. That's it. He's not willing to go down into the paint. Like, he's just selling for, you know, trailer threes. Um, Again, he can hit them, but they're not, like, his specialty. Like, he really should be taking advantage of getting down the post. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, we've seen pictures of Jokic, though. Apparently, he's in really good shape. Brzingis Uh, (laughs) 2.0. Dude, I don't know. That's going to be wild if he's suddenly, like, up and down the court like crazy like actually willing to get back especially against houston because here's the thing i was talking about how Embiid i think is one of the 
best players in the league in terms of in the post. Like, you dump it to him, you're getting a basket. Jokic would probably be my number two. When that man posts yeah. up, it's a basket. Or yeah. an assist to somebody for a wide-open shot. So, that's concerning against this Houston team who is going to have no post defense. Um, honestly, we might see a lot of Tyson Chandler this series. I really don't... I don't know what's going to happen. That's I will big, say that, like, that Jokic is probably like one of if not the best post playmakers uh, that you will find in a league well he's just so dominant and he's such a good passer that he understands that when a double comes over or somebody's you know he knows where to look for the passes and where to look and a lot of his inside dominance had to do with his size as well but you know he slimmed down a bit like will that obviously have like an effect um, not against Houston. And honestly, I don't, if he's put on muscle and just taken off fat, uh, like obviously he lost weight, but I, I don't, I don't think he'll like lose anything. I think he'll still be fine. I'm sure they talked to him about it. It's honestly probably better for him. Right. Look at Anthony Davis. He's pretty slim. He's very, very dominant in the post. Yeah, for me, another guy that'd probably be like tossing and get me a basket. For for me, this matchup is is like one in the post or down low for for Denver. Um, as you mentioned, the paces are just completely different on their ends of the spectrum. Um, for Houston, going with the small ball, the three point shooting that they really love to do, they're actually the eighth worst three point shooting team in the league, which is interesting. Yeah, it's been a bad year. Yeah, uh, Denver's they were bad last year too. Denver's right on average. Um, yeah, uh, Westbrook's been playing well to before everything closed down, as well as Harden. Um, like I said, I mean, th- this, these lineups are also just incredibly different. Um, I think Denver wins in depth, especially now that Torrey Craig and Gary Harris are playing. Michael Porter Jr., I mean, we'll see what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, Denver has the bigs. They have the depth. Um, I don't yeah, I don't know what really points to Houston in winning this, other than they just win Run the three-point battle. Yeah. It's got to be that, that they just outrun them and just shoot better, honestly. I'll but, also say, like, the perimeter defense on Denver is pretty good, but um, you have to, like, hide Jamal Murray somehow. <laughs> and I don't know... I mean, unless... Again, I'm one of these people who, like, I advocate for just doubling James Harden and get it out of his hands. Yeah, so, I like that. So, to me, like, why not... Do something drastic, dude. Just put, like, Jokic on Westbrook and kind of have him, like, float around in the paint and just kind of force him into threes. Yeah, that's that's you what know? I would say they should do. That's or maybe put Jamal... Honestly, maybe keep Jamal Murray on Westbrook and just, again, force him into threes. And then if he gets by you, uh, it's going to be tough. I think Denver could do it, though. They'd probably have to have some kind of help where Jamal is not expected to cover and pass a certain point. And then the help will be in the paint, and Jamal has to make the third rotation. So, like, somebody's going to slide down to open shooter, and then Jamal's going to have to, like, go back out to whoever's up top. That could also create problems, though, because that could result in him ending up on Harden somehow. Yeah. Uh, Or you could just honestly have him sit on someone like, I don't know if I want him on PJ because there's a chance, you know, he'll sneak in there for a board on him, but um, probably a guy like Eric Gordon 
you know, he's not going to be doing too much ISO. Right. I don't think. I think with Russ and the Harden, you already have too much of that. So I don't know where he's going to get his looks uh, other than just spot up. So That's what I mean. It's going to be tough. Um, I think Denver, uh, Denver, has, Denver has the defense and the depth and the height. So um, I just... I just like, you know, for some reason, I feel like Houston can win it, and I don't even know what it is that's going to happen. I just think it's going to be James Harden going off or, or Russ. Like, something's going to happen. Like, I feel like they can win. There's just so much against them, but, like, because I really like Houston. There's so much for them, too, at the same time, though. Yeah. Um, I, but I don't know. It just seems like everything is just pointing towards Denver here. But like Just a, without a center, I'm not sure how Houston's going to fare. That's what I mean. In terms of points given up in the paint especially if Jokic although, can run with the, with the weight loss that's going to be huge for them although isn't Westbrook leading the league in points per game in the paint pretty sure he is um, I would have maybe to look I don't even know where I'm to pretty find sure him. he is if not he's easily top five I, I'm last time I checked he was number one so I would assume it's uh, either him or LeBron yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure it's him so that's again that could be different. I don't know how. If Jokic also is like slow on rotations, I don't know. I'm just picturing Denver having slower guys, other than like obviously better, younger, um, athletic like guards out on the perimeter. And Paul Millsap's pretty quick too. But the thought of like Jamal Murray keeping up his defense is pretty <laughs> bad. And Jokic has good defense, but his. I don't know if his rotation speed is going to be quick enough to keep up with like the ball just hopping around. Honestly, what would help them is if James Harden just tries to go ISO the whole time. Because if he's just like trying to ISO and shoot these like fading threes and stuff, I think if, for Houston to win this, they really need to take advantage of Westbrook. Just put him in one-on-ones and like let him go to work and just blow past. And he always makes a good pass out if he does find the help defense on the way. So... One thing that you definitely have to take into consideration going against Denver is, like, they don't have too many, like, actual, like, big centers. So they can just go from having, like, Jokic at seven foot being, like, the, the biggest guy in the court to having, like, small ball. Like, that's one thing that a lot of teams are going to have to take in, in consideration when playing Denver. is like, they can have, like, Jokic out there dominating in the paint and posting up and all this. But then they can go from that, switch up if they have to, into small ball, just out of nowhere, and just outpace the other team. Maybe. But, I mean, they also have Mason Plumley, who's seven foot, and That's he's true. very athletic. He could easily keep up with what's going on out there. I would have more faith in him making quicker rotations than Jokic, but then you lose so much on offense. That's a problem. Yeah, so I... Honestly, I don't know. I'm going to go Denver. I think Denver's just going to find a way to do it. Um, and I'm going to say they're going to do it in six. But I wouldn't be surprised if Houston, you know, just outran them yep. and just destroyed them in terms of threes putting up and just their high pace of play. So um, I'm not going to completely say this is all Denver. I think it's a six-game minimum. But, again, it's, it's up to Houston mm -hmm. hitting those threes. But, uh, yeah, I would go Denver 4-2 or 4-3. All right, so the next one we have is uh, OKC in Utah. And this one to me is pretty interesting, too. Um, 
both teams are pretty slow pace. Uh, but obviously, actually, I don't even know if that's obvious. Let's see. Yeah, okay, see. So I thought... Well, I think I think your yes, numbers so are a little bit different because I'm using the Jazz are 25th and OKC is 20th. I'm looking at pace. Yeah, I think yours are different because mine mine's based on 100 possessions. So okay, think, yeah, mine's just slow. based yeah. on in general. Yeah. It's close okay. though. It's pretty much just. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, dude, I like OKC more. Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah, <laughs> I I like Chris Paul at the starting point guard. Shy, although obviously I would give it to uh, Donovan, but Shy's no slouch. He's a good defender, and he's going to do what he needs to do on offense. Um, in terms of bigs, I mean, dude, Gobert, good rim protector and all, but like Adams is basically pretty much the same, I would say. Um, probably a better rebounder. Uh, I like their four in... Uh, Gallo, although I like Ingles' defense more. If Ingles is starting, I think he's going to be starting. They have they have Ingles starting at the three, but yeah. Oh, interesting. Who's there for? Royce O'Neal. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Um, I would take Gallo's experience over him. Yeah, I would too. Uh, and what's the three matchup? Who's the starting three for OKC? Uh, Dort. Didn't they have a younger guy in there? Dort. <laughs> Um, since i don't know who he is i'm gonna go with ingles overall i just i don't know something about chris paul dude just his leadership and everything while we keep hearing about how you know gobert and donovan mitchell aren't getting along and mike conley hasn't even been in the starting lineup because he's just been you know awful um (laughs) dude i don't know i think it's gonna be a problem for utah I it's I'm glad we have another five four matchup that's going to be intriguing and like really good, and honestly could go either way. But I would lean OKC. Um, OKC is 14th. Their offensive efficiency, Utah's eighth. So you give Utah the advantage there again. That big reason for that is because they're tied with the Heat in being the tied for first and being the best shooting team in the league. Surprisingly, um, and then on the, again just fish efficient. Dude. Yeah. They slow it down and they they take the best shot they yeah. can. Which again, is smart. This is both, um, again, probably a slow pace game um, that Mac mentioned. So, and then the defensive end. I mean, it, it's pretty much neck and neck. But OKC has the age, the edge. Um, they're ranked eighth and Utah tenth. So they probably have the age too. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. I well past their first couple of guys, maybe not. Starting lineup, yeah, I would say probably. Well, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Um, in terms of their lineups, <laughs> though. Um, yeah, I absolutely take Chris Paul over Mike Conley, especially the year that he's had. Not to say Conley is is bad, but this year I'm just going by recent form. Ooh, it's it's been rough for him. Um, Donovan Mitchell, I mean him and Shy. That's that's a really fun matchup to watch. Both of them can go out and get a bucket. Both are good defenders, young guys. So I like that a lot. Donovan has experience. <laughs> yeah, has been in the playoff so. position. Um, I'll go Ingles over Dort <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> I like, I definitely like Gallo and again being able to space the floor. Although O'Neal can, I think he can shoot a little bit. So, and then Rudy. Um, oh, dude. Rudy and Adams. Mike is on this team. Yeah. Game changing. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, I don't know in terms of depth who wins this. 
because I think, I mean, you got Dennis Schroeder as your sixth man. Merlin's Noel. Ah, man, dude. It's tough. I mean, no one cares about Roe. Dude, if they they had bogey, if the Jazz had bogey. I'd I'd lean them. I'd pick them. Yeah, easy. I think, honestly, that's just the difference. I don't know where their offense is going to come from. He's been big for them this year. It's oh, yeah, going to be 100%. That's, I mean, he, I think Utah's like, again, efficient. It, they all spot up and I mean, Mitchell can go get you a bucket. And, but other than that, I mean, it's just really Mitchell. Let's see, they had, I don't know who else Moody, is. Moutier, Clarkson. Honestly, these are bad pieces. And I, honestly, yeah. Royce O'Neal, when he's coming off the bench was big for them. That kind of, I think that honestly hurts them. Now he's in the starting yeah, line. I mean, like it, they lose that guy off the bench. Yeah. Oh, Ed Davis. Dude, I forgot he was on this team. That's a good backup center. They're both good teams. I just think OKC is just... They've been sneaky good this year. I mean, I don't think they're going to outshoot Utah. Um, But, I mean, who knows? I mean, looking at depth, though, I don't know how... Again, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot, but we've said it before, too. Depth isn't the most important thing in the playoffs. You're usually playing, like, seven to eight-man rotations. So, um, I really like OKC's seven more um and i don't know i don't know what like what the what you want to say the verdict is on coaching obviously uh quinn snyder is an amazing coach yeah i like him a lot uh i again his experience and everything is awesome i'd probably take him but i don't know billy donovan is just every year he gets some new team and he figures it out (laughs) Even when they had Carmelo Anthony, he said, well, this shit ain't working, so you're going to sit on the bench. Yep. It's like, well, damn. That, why why don't why hasn't Brett Bowne done that with uh, Dude, Horford yet? He's done. He's out this year. <laughs> he, he needs to be out. I would love if Kenny came in for us. I would. Anyway. But, yeah, go ahead. My point is I'm not going like to pass Billy Donovan yet. Each year he figures it out with what he has. So, um. Again, just everyone didn't even think OKC was going to make the playoffs this year. So, and Billy Donovan and Chris Paul just said, "What, what are you talking about?" <laughs> um, I don't know. I really, for some, some Emmy is saying OKC is going to have this. I, that's that's where I am. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, OKC definitely has the edge, like to me, on this one. Just just looking. Just looking at at these teams, looking at like where both these teams are right now, and seeing what their strengths and what their weaknesses are, I have a feeling that OKC definitely can take this. Yeah, I I don't even know what would have helped you talk. So I'm not again their home court's pretty good, but it's not OKC. Oh, that's so even if they were playing the playoffs, like that's just another advantage their way. Or whatever you know at home courts. I think it's just bogey. Um, that's the big big factor here. Again, yeah, the, the numbers dude, kind of point to Utah, but I mean, I don't know, dude. I just don't know where their scoring is going to come from without him. Obviously, it's Donovan Mitchell number yeah. one, but Conley's got to show up. I always feel like they have the same problem with in terms of scoring. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where they get it from. Again, it's just they take it's good coaching and discipline, which is what Miami has with Spoltra. So. Yeah. The idea of like we're gonna take the best shot we can and we're not shooting until we have it is like just something Quinn Snyder put on these guys. So um it just I mean they I would say they probably have the coaching advantage, but 
I don't know. I think Chris Paul is just, he's on a mission this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really just like the way this OKC team has come together. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, Mitchell, I'm looking at the player usage percentage, and, and Bogdanovich was their number two, 25%. So and Mitchell's at yeah, 30. Yeah, he's been a big. And now uh, Jordan Clarkson was actually their number three at 24%. Oh, so man. it's going to be Mitchell Clarkson and then Mike Conley and then Moutier. That's, that's, yeah, see, that's what I'm dude. saying. I Bogey is just such a huge part of that offense. Without him, I mean, there's only so much defense you could play. So Yeah. He's shooting really well, too. That's what I mean. It's just it's going to be tough for them. Oh. Yeah, it's a big loss. Um, All right. Soups, do you have anything else to say about this matchup? Uh, Pretty much the only other thing is just like, Looking at Utah and then looking at OKC, like it's just definitely going to be something fun to watch because you never know what's going to happen. Like, how many sham gods are we going to actually see Chris Paul pull out? Like, that's that's my biggest question. How many sham gods is he going to pull off? <laughs> but in all seriousness, Donovan, you know, shows out every time, you know, as always. Like, pro- probably one of my favorite shooting guards to watch, other than like. Obviously, like, Vic, whenever he's, like, hot and stuff like that. But, like, Donovan, like, uh, he's got that finishing ability. He's got that three-point shooting ability. He can space the floor really, really well. Like, it just definitely has Zach Levine vibes a little bit. And, you know, like, it's just going to be a fun matchup. Yeah. I'm excited. I I mean, I'm I'm still interested to see how much this changes. Um, obviously, we can talk about that when it cha- when it does yeah. or if it does. But uh, the possibility of Houston playing LA and Dallas playing Denver is like, I think those become more even matchups. Yeah, um, I think those teams play very similar. Uh, anyway, there's still like room to move. It, OKC could end up playing Denver, maybe. Um, I'm pretty sure. You were saying it before, like the four through six or seven? I think it's seven. Are all pretty close in the east or west? Uh, yeah, I think they're all within like a game or two. So it could literally yeah, so shift. There's a lot of room for movement. Yeah. Um, we're, This is easily the longest episode we've had. So, yeah, no doubt. Um, I think it's time <laughs> to, to yeah. wrap this one up. Uh, Snoops, where can they find you? Okay, so everybody can find me at It's Me Snoops. You know, it's me, S-N-O-O-P-S, on pretty much every social media uh, that you'll be able to find me on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you'll be able to find me on, on Snapchat as well on that. So, hey, anybody out there uh, want to become friends, maybe? Uh, I need some more. <laughs> but also on, on YouTube, because got a lot of stuff going up on there. I think they'll pass on that. Maybe hey, now. Hey. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Um, and Frank, where can I find you? You guys can find me uh, at Swaynatra on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find me Mackie Ireland on Twitter, Instagram, and wherever else you do your social media. You can also follow Rim Grazers on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. And again, we are trying for iTunes. Uh, 
Hopefully that happens soon. I'll have to check in on that. Uh, yeah, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Bye!